sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to hour number two of a Tuesday live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid. Sirius XM channel 159. That is the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All around the Sports Grid network as well. I am Ben Stevens. That includes sportsgrid.com slash watch. Find your favorite destination and wherever you need to consume all the sports grid programming your heart could desire. Thank you for joining us here for our second hour. We bring you up until 11 a.m. Eastern time. A ton to get to around Major League Baseball. We'll continue to look at the NBA playoffs as well. A triple header of game number twos tonight around the association. And after the opening night of the Stanley Cup playoffs, we get you set with a recap of yesterday and for game number or night number two, I should say, on this Tuesday evening as well. Let's continue to dive through Major League Baseball. More than two weeks into this regular season, yesterday day baseball expected, and we still saw some day baseball at Fenway Park in Boston. A ceremonious day in the city of Boston, Massachusetts. Patriots Day, the running of the Boston Marathon, and the Angels visiting Fenway for a day game against the Red Sox. It was supposed to start at about 11 a.m. Eastern Time. It was delayed by rain. They played a couple of innings. More downpours. It delayed the game once again. We didn't finish until around 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time yesterday. But the Angels, as a slight favorite, because it was Shohei Day, do come away with the victory. 5-4 in favor of Los Angeles. Only two innings pitched, though, for Shohei Otani due to that rain delay. Otani at the dish yesterday, though, 2-5, of five, scored a run on Monday's game against the Red Sox. It was a part of the 5-4 to four victory for the Halos. When you look at Shohei Otani's numbers this season, he is truly one of one. He is a unicorn in this sport, maybe all of sports. He's batting 298 this year. He has three home runs in nine ribbies. He only threw two innings yesterday, but even in just 31 pitches over those two innings of work, he struck out three against Boston. He has a perfect 2-0 record on the bump, a sub-1 ERA, .86. His odds to win an AL MVP have grown shorter since the start of this year in just over two weeks at plus 125. He has the second-best price to win the American League Cy Young, only behind Garrett Cole, who is a perfect 4-0 this year, just threw and pitched a complete game, and has a sub-1 ERA as well. That's is the standard for Shohei Otani. Now, as we look at the American League Cy Young odds, Garrett Cole, like we mentioned, is that favorite right now to win the AL Cy Young here in 2023. 4-1, $2 in front of Shohei. The third best price is a pitcher new to the American League. That would be Jacob deGrom for the Texas Rangers. deGrom got the start yesterday for the Rangers, and through four innings of no-hit baseball. The Rangers win 4 nothing over Kansas City. The Royals, one of the worst teams in Major League Baseball, the second-worst record in the bigs now at 4-13. and But the story 
was Jacob deGrom. Four hitless innings of work, but was removed, as the Rangers are calling it, due to a precaution with right wrist soreness. Forearm soreness. That is a dreaded term for any pitcher across Major League Baseball. Quickly, we welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience here, hour number two of the morning after. Live all across the grid, Sirius XM Channel 159, and all of our radio terrestrial affiliates now in the fold as well. So the Rangers win 4 nothing over Kansas City. The Royals off to a 4-13 start, the second worst record in all of Major League Baseball. Jacob deGrom got the start yesterday for Texas on the road in KC, and he was sensational. Four innings of hitless work but then was removed as the Rangers are calling it due to a precaution of right wrist soreness. DeGrom in his opener with Texas on opening day gave up five earned but in his previous two starts entering yesterday just three earned in both had a no hit bid going through four innings but was removed due to injury. Only 38 starts made for DeGrom in the past three seasons as a member of the New York Mets before heading to Texas. Again, DeGrom has the third best price to win the American League Cy Young at plus 750. We'll see what his status is moving forward. Speaking of the New York Mets, the Mets now on a California road trip and they pick up a big victory over the Dodgers yesterday. Eight to six at the Ravine in Los Angeles. The Dodgers, however, struggling to begin this season. LA now a game below 500, eight and nine, but the New York Mets have won five straight games. Before heading to LA, they were up in Northern California against the Oakland Athletics, taking care of business, sweeping the A's. The Mets and the Dodgers scored 14 total runs yesterday and the Mets came back for that eight to six victory the Dodgers eight and nine this year a game below 500 in the previous three full seasons in Major League Baseball LA won at least 106 games not off to that torrid start this year in 2023 both will contend for a National League pennant as we took a look at those odds on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Currently, the Atlanta Braves, with the best record in the National League, are the favorites to win the NL, 3-1. The Dodgers still only 20 cents behind at plus 320. The Mets and the Padres are tied for the third best price at 6-1 to to win the National League. We'll continue to go around Major League Baseball. Up next, live right here on the morning end. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Time to cover our daily basis. Live right here on the morning after on this Tuesday on SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens. Craig Mish is here as well. The host of Newswire. It starts at 11 a.m. Eastern time. And our Major League Baseball insider joins us live right here on the morning after. Craig, thank you as always for taking some time to spend with us here on this Tuesday on TMA. Of course, Ben. Great slate tonight. I think in baseball. Looking forward to getting to it. 
a great slate tonight, a great slate yesterday as well. Some concern for some starting pitchers around Major League Baseball. Jacob deGrom, Corbin Burns, both leave their starts early. But we focus first on a game in Houston between the Toronto Blue Jays and the Astros. Greg, entering yesterday, the Strohs were 7-9. They had only won one series so far this season, but a big 9-2 victory yesterday against Toronto that included seven first inning runs Craig how do you evaluate a team where the Houston Astros the reigning World Series champions have a ton of expectations entering a year and might get off to just a little bit of a slow start yeah I think it's a fair question because again as you look over on FanDuel they're still among or at, at the top in terms of being the favorite to win not only the American League but also the World Series I think it's a fair question it actually was answered yesterday and got to give credit to my friend Brian McTaggart who covers the Astros over at MLB.com. Ben, the Astros have been 7-9 four straight years in a row. And so that really hasn't mm. affected them whatsoever. Again, April is just one of those months where teams are just sort of trying to figure themselves out. Pitchers aren't really getting deep into counts. What's really going to matter at some point is, and I don't think the Astros will have any problem with their offense. And again, Jose Altuve will come back. Let's not forget about that. Is that just replacing that ace every five days? You know, like there's no doubt not having Justin Verlander is going to have an impact. It's going to have to be Framber Valdez. Someone else, Christian Javier, is going to have to step up. When a team is losing, Ben, and the Astros are not necessarily losing, only two games under 500, but at some point they'll have a two-game losing streak or a three-game losing streak. And what they need yeah. is that stopper. Every team needs it to come in to know, hey, look, we're going to get a good pitching outing. This guy's going to go deep into the game. Maybe not necessarily to get the win, but to preserve the bullpen when they're going through that long losing streak two games three games four games something like that do the Astros have that on their roster we're going to find out this season Jose Urquidy gets the start for the Strohs today they're a very slight money line favorite in the second game of this set against Chris Bassett and the Toronto Blue Jays Craig we've talked a lot about the American League East following Tampa Bay's historic start but both the pinstripes of New York and the Blue Jays of Toronto certainly still keeping pace in this division overall as you examine toronto do you believe the blue jays are a true contender for the american league pennant yeah i, I like all those teams in the american league and and look the blue jays at this point i i think making the moves they did in the offseason to get a little bit more left-handed there it doesn't surprise me that they're now in terms of odds in the top five and they have superstars on their team eventually ben you do need that to win a world series they won't be afraid to add if they need to gossman's been fantastic and, you know, Bichetting and, and Guerrero. I mean, that's just a great way to start every single day, knowing that those guys are going to bat in the bottom of the first inning or top of the first inning every single time they play. So uh, Blue Jays will be formidable, no question. How far they get into the postseason still remains to be seen. It was a pretty quick exit for them last year. Plus 650, that price for Toronto, fourth best in the American League. Craig, like you mentioned, the Astros, despite an 8-9 and nine start a game below 500 at this point still the favorites to win the american league still one of the favored teams to win a world series the same can be said for the dodgers in the national league also off to an eight and nine start after losing to the mets yesterday at home in los angeles craig what should it show to major league baseball fans or potential backers of these two clubs that despite the slow starts they are still up there with the favorites to win their leagues and contend for a world series yeah, I mean, I guess the best wagering advice, Ben, if, if that's, you know, sort of what we're alluding to here, is your your best bets on things like this is to not 
make these wagers before the season begins because your odds on both teams are going to be slightly better now than they were two or three weeks ago. And it's not a product of anything else except for April baseball. So I think we sort of go through this every single year. And and look, you know, the Rays, obviously, with that, you know, 13-0 start, when was the value on them? You could probably say before the season started, not at the point where they won 13 games in a row. So the value is only going to be there now for the Dodgers and Astros for a very short period of time. They're going to be fighting to the end. Even the Padres, Ben, are not off to a great start. Manny Machado yesterday saying after the game, hey, look, if you're not on our bandwagon now, do not show up later in the season when we're crushing the ball. He didn't say that exactly. There were some expletives that I can't <laughs> say here on the show. But but naturally, I think that's the big takeaway from April. You just simply cannot get caught up in the early season numbers and record. Right now, the Atlanta Braves, with a 13-4 record, the best in the National League, are the favorites to win that World Series. Yesterday, the Braves in San Diego shutting out the Padres, a 2 nothing victory but Craig despite the slow start for San Diego they did win the final three games of a four game set about a week and a half ago in Atlanta what do you hope to learn from these early season series between two teams we expect to be there all year long yeah I think that if we're speaking of the Braves specifically I I think there's a couple of factors here I, I think that you know they've had a number of injuries in the early part of the season. Michael Harris has been out uh, in the offseason. They really liked what they saw out of Orlando Arcia. He got hurt. They called up Vaughn Grissom, and now so he'll play every single day. Remember, Max Freed was on the injured list as well. So depth, to me, is the key in the early part of the season. That's what we're going to learn about teams that are going to contend. Can, Ben, they reach down to the minor leagues and get players that can start and play right away. And we know the Braves have those players. We know the Dodgers do. We think the Padres do as well. But yeah. what about those other teams that we see here on the back end? Can the Cardinals recreate that magic with Brendan Donovan and Lars Newtbar? Like, like who? what organizations are strong enough to be able to dig down and grab players and call them up? I'm not talking about, like, for example, the Angels the other day calling up their shortstop, Zach Nito. I mean, it, it, I mean, kind of a bizarre one, to be honest with you, Ben. I mean, he's been raking in the minor leagues, and I get it, but he was just drafted last year. feels like the Angels are just, like, super aggressive there. I'm talking about players who have been developed in a system like Atlanta, L.A., San Diego. Arizona is another good example of that for three or four years. Can you plug and play those players? The teams that can't, they're going to start losing a lot of games. The team that can, they'll hang in there. The Braves 13 and 4, now the second best record in Major League Baseball, only behind the Rays, the best mark in the National League. A minus 130 money line road favorite today in San Diego as Spencer Strider gets the start for Atlanta. Blake Snell, who is off to a struggle this year, 0 and 2, a 692 ERA. He starts for San Diego, the Padres, a slight home underdog. We talked about LA. Clayton Kershaw, the start today for the Dodgers against the New York Mets. Craig. They're only one game below 500, eight and nine this year. But if you had to point to the biggest issue plaguing Los Angeles at this point, what would it be? Very little production from the middle infield at this point. They you know, obviously are going to need Chris Taylor at some point to step up. He has not had a tough year last year as well. Gavin Lux went down. They inserted Miguel Rojas. He's been banged up. His numbers are not good at the start of the season as well. So I, I think it's that middle infield that they're going to have to figure out. If not, maybe Mookie Betts shifts over and plays second base full-time. It has clearly been, to me, at least the offense early on that has struggled, Ben. I think their pitching is going to be fine. Kershaw, uh, Dustin May, Urias, they have enough, I think, to get by in this early part of the season.
Craig, I'm noticing a trend here from your daily DFS plays, targeting teams that are struggling this year. It was DeGrom against the Royals yesterday, the second worst record in Major League Baseball. Today you're looking at Marcus Stroman for the Cubbies against the A's, who have now lost five straight games and have a 3-14 and record. That's the worst in Major League Baseball. Craig, take us through the slate. Yeah, this is the highest price I've paid for any pitcher on our slate since we've started this year. I got to do it, Ben. I mean, Oakland, I hate to say it, they got a chance to be historically bad this year. I mean, there's, and I I feel bad for their fan base. And again, we're going to go back to the Rockies last night. It was Pittsburgh that scored all the runs last night. That's rare at Colorado. I think the Rockies strike tonight. We'll go CJ Crone at first base. Got to fade the A's. Got to fade the A's and take advantage of Coors Field altitude. Craig, thank you so much. More of the morning after up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Stanley Cup playoffs has begun. Number one of the chase for Lord Stanley's Cup happened yesterday. A quadruple header, four games, four more games up on night number two of the postseason on the ice on this Tuesday. So joining us live right here on this Tuesday on the morning after it is Anna Dua from the NHL, one of the hosts of Fantasy on Ice. She is here to help us go through everything in this Stanley Cup postseason, our takeaways from night one, and a look at night number two as well. Anna, thank you so much for joining us here on this Tuesday on the morning after after a late night on night number one. Two games in the Western Conference, double overtime in Dallas, overtime in Edmonton. So we appreciate you waking up early on this Tuesday. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to break it all down. It was a great first day of the playoffs. So Anna, we start though, of course, with the league's best team, the best team we have ever seen in the history of a regular season. The most wins ever in a regular season. That's what the Boston Bruins had with 65. The most points ever recorded in the regular season as well and last night to start off the stanley cup playoffs inside td garden the bees post a 3-1 victory over the florida panthers so anna they take the regular season success into the playoffs now in the stanley cup postseason how did boston look to you Honestly, at the beginning of the game, I was a little bit worried. We have to remember they have some bug going around their locker room right now. So Patrice Bergeron was not playing for Boston. So that's definitely not the way they wanted to start off the postseason. So when he's back, I'm sure things will look a little bit different. But the Florida Panthers is a team that we can't count out, right? They have star players like Matthew Kachuk, who had a goal last night. And they're a scary team. They had almost the same amount of shots as the Bruins. Linus Allmark is going to be the deciding factor in this series for me. And he played really, really well to help his team come out with that win last night in game one despite not having their full roster so boston's looking great but it's not going to be smooth sailing despite the historic season they had playing the florida panthers in the first round is a tough tough matchup not smooth sailing just because of florida but also the president's trophy curse the last nine winners of the president's trophy in the national hockey league entering this year have failed to win a Stanley Cup. In fact, only one team, Anna, the Rangers back in 2015, advanced out of the second round. Of course, with 135 points in the best ever regular season we have seen in the NHL, the Boston Bruins, 
the winners of the 2023 President's Trophy. So let's start with that curse. Anadua, do you buy into the curse of the President's Trophy? A little bit, to be honest. I feel like it's really proven itself. It's looking to hit a decade of having this curse stick around the National Hockey League right now. But, you know, there's a lot of hype that goes into teams that sit at the top of the standings. Right now, the Boston Bruins were so far ahead of everyone else. It seems like everything was going perfect for this team. Their players were playing well. Their goalie is a Vesna winning goalie right now, and he was having a phenomenal year. Their backup goalie still had a phenomenal season, too. Olmark scored a goalie goal. Anything you could have wanted to happen in a hockey regular season did happen for the Boston yeah. Bruins. But that makes me worried. When's the second shoe going to drop? Is it going to be in the playoffs? So you'll never know. If there's one team that can overcome it, though, it's definitely this squad. They're deep all across the board. You would think making history this year, if there was one team to break the curse, it would be the Boston Bruins. Anna, why do you think the President's Trophy curse has been a thing now for the better part of the last decade is there a reason you point to that these teams that have success in the regular season find struggles in the playoffs Listen, hockey is a little bit of a superstitious sport, and it's also like what makes hockey different from other sports is honestly every single game is a brand new game. So no matter where you finish in the standings in the regular seasons, when the postseason starts, you see upsets in hockey like you see in no other sports because these guys come out every single night, night after night, battling the whole 60 minutes or more. And you'll see major teams like, I guess, upset superpowers that you were expecting to do well. We saw the Tampa Bay Lightning get swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets, this Toronto Maple Leaf squad has been so strong for so many years they can't make it out of the first round when the playoffs come around all the things that happen in the regular season are kind of erased including a president's trophy winning regular season and then you head into the playoffs and everyone wants it equally so it just comes down to which team wants it more so the Bruins have a one nothing series lead over the Panthers they entered the series last night as a minus 350 favorite to win it in advance to the second round now minus 690 the bees priced to win the Eastern Conference also growing a little bit shorter after last night's victory as well plus 180 and of the team with the second best record in the regular season that was the Carolina Hurricanes Boston had 135 points Carolina 113 if there is a team to knock Boston out and the president's trophy curse continues for 10 years Anna who would be that team in the Eastern Conference you would point to I want to say the Carolina Hurricanes. I really do. I love this squad, and I think resilience is the, definitely the one word that I would use to describe this team because we have to remember they don't have Max Pacioretty. They lost a big, big piece in Andrei Sveshnikov, who's their best goal scorer and is a physical player who really allows them to play the game that we all know and love from the Hurricanes. So with those two big pieces out, I really thought it was going to go downhill from there. They still ended up on top of the Metro. They had a great showing in game one showing that they're ready to make it out of the first round. I like them against the Islanders, but I don't like them in round two. I think Svechnikov's loss is just too big for Carolina, so I think the puck stops there. Whoever wins this Devils-Rangers series is the team that I'm looking at to knock out the Bruins if they do. And right now, I'm leaning towards the Rangers. It's kind of crazy how when mm. I say that, a lot of people think that I'm like rocking with the underdog of sorts, but like this team made it to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, and they added the pieces yeah. of Tarasenko and Patrick Kane, which are two huge names. So they have all of the high name players on this roster. They have Igor Shosturkin in that. If every guy on that team hits their ceiling, like maybe the Rangers go all the way till the end and knock out the Boston Bruins. But right now, I definitely have them in the Eastern Conference Finals against Boston.
a New York, New Jersey rivalry. Game number one between the Devils and the Rangers tonight at the Rock, the Prudential Center in Newark. The Devils, a home favorite on home ice, minus 134, a minus 125 favorite to win the series over the Rangers. But again, a very short distinction. Now out to the Western Conference. Overtime last night in Edmonton. Entering the third period, and it seemed like the Oilers were going to roll to a game one victory. Up to nothing. The Kings scratched one across, but the Oilers still up three to one, about halfway gone in that third period. And in the final minute, the Kings tie it at three to send us to an extra session and pull off the upset. Last night against Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and the Oilers. Anna, what stood out to you most about the Kings' upset victory in OT last night in Edmonton? I think we have to definitely talk about Adrian Kempe and the two goals that he scored to really keep the Kings in this game and set them up to go to overtime and eventually win. He's had a great, great year. He's just used like crazy for Los Angeles. He's a player that we don't really necessarily talk about. He had a great season last year too. I think a lot of people thought he was going to fall off this year, but he didn't. He just kept producing at the same level. So he was a player that really showed up for this Kings roster. Kind of shows a little bit of the depth that they have, but it's tough because I have Edmonton making it all the way to the end. And the yeah. biggest concern I had with the Oilers was their goaltending situation. They did pretty well with Mike Smith last year. So I thought they were going to do better with the rookie Stuart Skinner this season, but he didn't have his best showing in game one I think that was the biggest deciding factor also we haven't seen the Connor McDavid show take over the playoffs yet so when that happens I'm sure things True. are going to turn around rather quickly but Stuart Skinner really needs to clean up his act a little bit and just be a piece that this Edmonton team can rely on because their offense is great but a great offense doesn't really win you championships you really need that back end to be strong no points recorded for Connor McDavid last night for the first time since March 9th. He recorded at least a point in the final 16 regular season games he played in for the Oilers. If we see the Connor McDavid of this regular season, that was by far and away the best player in the NHL. Anna, is it enough for Edmonton overall to make a run to Lord Stanley's Cup? Yeah, I think so. Edmonton's the team that I'm definitely looking at to take it home this season just because it's not only Connor McDavid. I think last night proved that uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Leon Dreisaitl both hitting that 100-point mark. Zach Hyman performed really well in the postseason last year. Evander Kane performed really well in the postseason last year for the Oilers. So they have a lot of players that can really put up points. Evan Bouchard was a player that I was really impressed with in game one. A lot of people were wondering what role he was going to fill in when Tyson Berry left the Oilers at the trade deck deadline and people were a bit disappointed with the regular season he was having but he had a really good game one last night he got a goal for himself as well so concerns on the blue line maybe are getting a little bit alleviated I know their net mining is still the biggest issue so we'll see how that pans out but their offense is so strong their power play is so strong that I think Edmonton still has it so one overtime in Edmonton two overtimes in Dallas in the theme of the Western Conference last night overtimes in upsets as the wild go on the road to Dallas and knock off the stars three to two in that second overtime Anna do you anticipate that to continue to be the theme upsets maybe in this Western Conference throughout the postseason 
At least in this series, I do, Ben, because I had the Minnesota Wild defeating the Dallas Stars as my big first round upset. I have the Winnipeg Jets over the Vegas Golden Knights as well, so maybe that's another upset, but definitely not as big as Minnesota. You can't sleep on the Minnesota Wild. This team rallied when they mm. had their best player out with injury, Kirill Kaprizov, and they still put together a string of wins, and you saw them last night against Dallas. There's no quit in this Minnesota team. I think they make it out of the first round this time, and the, that's going to be a big upset upsetting that Dallas Stars squad. Kirill Kaprizov scored the opening goal for the Wild last night in Dallas. The reigning Stanley Cup champs, the Western Conference favorites, the Colorado Avalanche, open up game number one tonight of their hunt to repeat as Stanley Cup champs against the Seattle Kraken. You can see the entire slate. Another quadruple header on this Tuesday evening. Anna Dua, thank you so much for your time. Live right here on the morning after on this Tuesday. Enjoy the rest of the playoffs. We'll talk again next week. More the morning after. Up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Two game number twos to start off this week of the NBA playoffs last night. Three game number twos, a triple header on this Tuesday tonight around the association. First, we recap, then we look forward. Last night in Sacramento, Golden State and Sacramento, that being the Kings and the Warriors, the Kings take a 2-0 series lead over the Dubs, 114-106. Sacramento winning outright on their own home floor as a two-point underdog as we light that beam high up into the sky. Sacramento, a 2-0 series lead now, and despite entering game number two as an underdog and as the underdog in the series overall, the Kings are now the favorites. A minus 158 outright price for Sacramento to advance to the second round of the NBA playoffs as we get ready for game number three in San Francisco between Golden State and Sacramento later this week. It really perhaps should not be much of a surprise that the Kings have taken advantage of their home floor against a Warriors team that was 11-30 and on the road throughout this regular season. The fourth worst road record in the NBA. The only three teams that had worse records were the three worst teams around the association. The Pistons out east, the Rockets in the Spurs in the Western Conference. So Golden State has failed to win games away from San Francisco all year long. That has continued to be the case here early on into this NBA postseason and into this Western Conference series between the Kings and the Warriors. So again, Sacramento, a 114-106 victory last night against Golden State, and they now have a 2-0 series lead. Part of the drama last night, just over seven minutes remaining, Draymond Green ejected from the game after a, a flagrant foul. Number two was whistled against him. He stomped on the chest of DeMontis Sabonis as Simonis grabbed at his right leg. Regardless, Draymond Green ejected from the game after that flagrant two. We'll see if there is any further suspension for Draymond Green the rest of this 
series. A couple of game number twos tonight. Three, in fact, around the NBA. One out in the Western Conference as the Phoenix Suns look to even their series up against the LA Clippers. Phoenix, an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. And two out in the Eastern Conference. Boston cruised to a game one victory over the Atlanta Hawks on Saturday. They 112-99. They had a 30-point lead at the halftime break. The Celtics tonight, a 10-and-a-half-point favorite for game number two inside TD Garden against the Atlanta Hawks. Game number two as well in Cleveland, as it was the road team. The Knicks winning outright on Saturday against the Cavaliers, 101-97. But Cleveland remains a five-and-a-half-point favorite for game number two tonight. Now, to help us go all around the association, Brendan Clean joins the show here on the morning after the host of the just basketball show joins us here on tma brendan thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on this tuesday on tma absolutely crazy night last night in the league crazy night indeed let's go forward to game number two tonight in phoenix between the suns and the Clippers. Of course, it was L.A. winning outright, even slightly shorthanded, with no Paul George expected for this series behind a huge performance from Kawhi Leonard. 115-110 on Sunday evening. Brendan, how do you expect Phoenix to respond tonight in game number two? I think they have to come out in the first quarter with a lot more offensive um, plan. They have to know what they're doing they have to know how to get kevin durant and devin booker involved and 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 get back to the sort of 0.5 share the rock system that they've developed under monty williams for years that that was absent for them and they fell to a 12 point deficit because of it you know the clippers and their starting lineup and their bench just came out they knew who were going to get the shots they knew where the ball should go and Ty Lue had a great defensive game plan as well to kind of confuse and, and mess with the Suns. I, I don't think it was, the game was decided in that first quarter. The Suns played well basically the rest of the way up until crunch time. But if they can hit the ground running and get the shots we know they can get with that talent, they'll be in a lot better position. And then maybe you don't have to worry about some of those plays going the wrong way late. So Kawhi Leonard, nearly a 40-point performance in game number one. Kevin Durant did lead Phoenix with 27 points. As we look at their props for tonight, Brendan, who do you think, which individual will have a bigger impact on the outcome of game two between the Suns and the Clips? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, Kawhi Leonard is a good bet to, to keep doing this because he has to, right? And, and we know he can. I think there were some numbers out there on Sunday night into Monday that Kawhi Leonard had an expected field goal percentage based on how contested his shots were. I think every field goal attempt he took was contested. And he should have made about 39%. And as anyone with the box score could see, he made more than 50%. So... You know, that shows no matter what attention he's getting, he's he's going to take and make a ton of shots. I, I could see him having a bigger night if the defense isn't as tight, you know. So so that will be there. I think the Clippers, it's, it's pretty straightforward what they're going to have to do. Guys like Eric Gordon and Norm Powell, that's going to be their secondary offense. On the Suns side, it's interesting because we actually saw Devin Booker get quite a bit of scoring when Durant was healthy because of the attention that was being paid to Durant. In game one, we saw Durant have 11 assists. When the ball was in his hands, he tended to be able to find open players because of the defense 
defending to him. I could see Booker yeah. having a bigger night than he did. He barely took any threes. Sometimes that works for him a lot of the time. It's just, you know, not doing himself any favors. So if he ups that, I could see a bigger night from Devin Booker. Um, but yeah, this this series, the fact that it was kind of a weird game on both sides and still went into the 110s makes me feel like we could see a, a lot more offensive firepower before it's uh, said and done. So from that offensive perspective, you mentioned Devin Booker, 28 and a half, his points prop tonight. It's the same number that KD has. Kawhi on the other side, also 28 and a half points. For LA, Brendan, who do you think steps up for the Clippers to try to help Kawhi Leonard into a game two upset as well? I'll be interested to see what the, the Clippers do as far as the shot distribution with Russell Westbrook. You know, uh, he was kind of the hero of game one in a, in a weird way because of his defensive intensity, because of the rebounding, especially the offensive glass late in that game. But three of 19 from the field in a lot of games, that, that kills you, right? So mm -hmm. do they keep you know, encouraging Westbrook to, to take those shots? Do they keep setting him up to be the guy with the ball in his hands in those spots? Or... Do we see an adjustment to maybe more Norm Powell, who played really well down the stretch? He's off their bench, but, you know, he's somebody comfortable right. with the ball in his hands as a scorer. I could see them maybe trying to, to, to change some things, but really, you know, Westbrook is going to be the point guard for this team. We know he's going to shoot when he's open. I feel, to me, like the shot distribution we saw and sort of the balance offensively for the Clippers – that was kind of perfect for them. So unless you're talking about stopping one of those guys and they just have a quieter night because they're worse, I don't think the Clippers are going to really want to change too, too much. Norm Powell, 14 points off the bench in game number one. Only nine from the scoring perspective for Russ, but did add 11 boards and eight assists. So after that victory for the Clippers, Phoenix comes back a little bit at the top of the Western Conference odds board. We have also seen the Sacramento Kings take a 2-0 series lead over the Golden State Warriors. Right now, Brendan, we have Phoenix and Denver tied as co-favorites to win the Western Conference Championship. Golden State still the third best price at 5-1. Three days into the NBA playoffs, how do you feel about the West now as opposed to maybe how you felt about the Western Conference entering this past weekend? Yeah, great to see Denver take care of business on Sunday night. You know, that's what you want to see from the home team, the one seed winning by 20-plus points. I don't know if they'll have such an easy ride, but they should be able to win that series in four or five. They're definitely the better team. I think the Lakers having a potentially easier path through the first round, depending on what happens with John Morant, who sprained his wrist or hurt his wrist in some way. He he told everybody he's unlikely to play in game two if it is really a broken or fracture, obviously. We wouldn't expect to see him at all. Tyler Hero out for six weeks with just a hand fracture. So um, that would really doom the the Grizzlies and, and help the, the Lakers through that first round. But I really have to look at, at Warriors and Kings, right? I mean, this has been the most exciting series without a doubt. This has been the most dramatic with the Draymond uh, ejection last night and the series that I think is the potential to really upend what we thought about this conference the most because... The Kings going up 2-0, yeah, you know, they're good at home. But the, the secret thing about this Kings team is maybe not so secret. They're the only good road team in the West. You know, they were the only yep. team outside of the Clippers who I think had one game above 500 record on the road. The Kings were, I want to say, 25-16 and 16 or something around there on the road this season, which is very, very exactly. good. And, and, you know, they haven't even had a great shooting night. Guys like Kevin Herter, um, 
Fox is, is hit or miss, but Harrison Barnes, guys who we know can make shots, haven't even really gotten hot from deep. You would expect a game like that for them, uh, and, and yet they're still already up 2-0. So um, I, I, I have a feeling Sacramento, you know, really could take advantage and win this series, and that obviously changes a lot. The Warriors were, you know, thought to be one of the, the top favorites to come out of this thing. The Kings right now, a minus 158 favorite to win this series outright. However, the Warriors booked currently as a seven-point favorite for Thursday night in game number three back in the Chase Center in San Francisco. Like Brendan just mentioned, the Kings were by far the best road team in the Western Conference this year, 25-16. and 16. Brendan, like you said, only the Clippers had a winning record outside of that, and L.A. was just 21-20, and 20, a game above 500. Elsewhere in the Eastern Conference tonight, game number two in Boston between the Celtics and the Hawks. The Seas, a 10-and-a-half-point favorite. They won game number one by 13 points, but were up 30 at the break. Brendan, how does Atlanta look to keep this game more competitive tonight between the Seas and the Hawks? Wish I had a great answer for you. I just don't think Atlanta has the defensive ability to stop the Celtics offense. You know, um, I guess there's a version where we've seen Boston, you know, even in that second half, they can they can get a little bit methodical and, and relax with their offense and, and take a bunch of threes and, you know, kind of overpass and things like that. I guess you could imagine the, that Boston kind of shoots itself in the foot in that way. Uh, as far as Atlanta, I just don't think the defensive wing talent is there to to withhold what what the Celtics are great at, what their two best players do. So uh, it, it's you know it's it's not there for them. I don't think. I, I think there's a reason Boston is so heavily favored, and you know Atlanta winning that play-in game was probably the maybe the highlight of their postseason, unfortunately. Right now, the Celtics a minus 2,500 favorite outright to win this series against the Hawks. As you can see, Brendan, only about 40 seconds left in this segment, but the Celtics and the Bucks now co-favorites in the East. If you were the odds maker in charge of setting these numbers, who would be your favorite at the moment? Probably got to go with the Celtics just because of the uncertainty with Giannis, although I don't expect a back bruise to really take him out too, too much. But both of those teams are great. I think we're going to get an awesome battle between them, just like we did last year. Uh, maybe it goes seven. Maybe the Celtics win it again. I don't know. I'm, I'm ready for it, though. I can tell you that. The Bucks opened as a six-point favorite as we looked at the early line for game two tomorrow against Miami. Now they're a nine-point favorite. Probably pretty optimistic for Giannis's status for game two against the Heat. Brendan, thank you so much for your time here on the morning after on this Tuesday. We round out the show up next live right here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. out our two hours together here live on the morning after on sports grid sirius xm channel 159 that is the home for sports grid radio on sirius xm all across the sports grid network i am ben stevens thank you for joining us here on this tuesday a ton of playoff action 
across the sports landscape. Another quadruple header for night number two of the Stanley Cup playoffs. That means four games. A triple header, that means three games tonight around the association. Two out in the Eastern Conference. The Celtics, a 10.5-point favorite at home against the Hawks. The Knicks, a 5.5-point underdog on the road in Cleveland. And out in the Western Conference, the Phoenix Suns, an 8.5-point favorite against the LA Clippers. We'll look at a couple of these games before we say farewell and before we say goodbye. It's time for NBA playoff thought or a best bet. It's time for bye bye bye. Our production team behind the scenes, producer John James, associate producer Joe Frizo. You know Andrew Bocciagalupo is here later in the week. Just gave me some big news for tonight's game number two in the Valley in Phoenix between the Suns and the Clippers. Scott Foster, one of the longest tenured NBA officials, is refereeing the game tonight for the Suns and the Clips. There is a well-documented threat of Scott Foster when he officiates a game in the playoffs that Chris Paul plays in. It does not work out very well for CP's teams. Maybe the Clippers plus eight and a half is a way to look. I also think the total at 225 and a hook is interesting. Of course, game number one, barely under this number, finishing with 225 points. But at 225 and a half, now in the playoffs, these games ramp up in defensive intensity. There was a 240 for a total yesterday between the Warriors and the Kings. We had 220 points. I would look to the under tonight in this spot, maybe even out in Boston, where it's the highest total of the evening at 230 and a half. It's playoff basketball, first and foremost. That does it for this Tuesday on the morning. After, we'll be back tomorrow on a Wednesday, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern.